Welcome to the Bragworthy Culture Podcast, where leaders share how they've created a company so incredible their employees have to tell their friends about it. And now, here's your host, Jordan Peace. Welcome back to Bragworthy Culture. This is your host, Jordan Peace. And today we are privileged to get to talk to Joey Price. Joey is the founder and CEO of Jumpstart HR. Jumpstart, if you are not aware, offers HR outsourcing and consulting for startups and for small businesses. Joey also hosts the Business Life and Coffee podcast. He's actually much more experienced podcaster than I am, but I, he's going to allow me to interview him today. And so that podcast is focused on personal development and success tips for entrepreneurs. I'm already tongue-tied today. Joey, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Jordan. Thanks for having me on the show. And yeah, those are some of the hats I wear around around here. So thanks for having me. (laughs) Absolutely. Including the hat of father we were just talking about. Um, You've got two of them running around at home, it sounded like. Is that right? That's right. Yep. Two under three. Oh, so life's a party over here. <laughs> I feel you, man. I, I uh, mine are a little bit more spread out, but I've got four of them from eight down to one. So we're just doing what we can: hosting podcasts and closets and and good stuff like that. But that is the COVID life. Yep. Let's start off with just talking about Jumpstart HR. I'd love to hear the story of how and why you started the company. How how did this all come about? Yeah, so uh, most entrepreneurs start their business because they want that time freedom and flexibility and all that stuff. But I, I'm more of the the Steve Jobs, where I wanted to solve a problem that mm-hmm. I that I experienced and, and a frustration that I experienced. So I started Jumpstart in 2011, so it's been 10 years now, and it was after a series of. Um, some not so great and some mediocre-ish experiences with employers that were mm. that were small. I'm an HR practitioner by trade, so I didn't start it as an investor or a consultant or anything like that. I just thought I could build a better will for the folks that we serve. Mm. But I realized a few things that HR and small businesses was typically like the last box being checked after everything else got its attention. But that resulted in stale or disgruntled employees who saw no vision, saw no investment in the organization and in themselves. And they're like, all right, well, I'm just going to take my talents elsewhere where I can be Mm. invigorated. And then I also saw that uh, the best companies that were scaling and growing, they were intentional. They were intentional about their personnel. They were intentional about how they manage performance and build culture. And it wasn't just a happenstance thing. And then the last thing, it was kind of market factors, right? So it was the rise of the uh, remote worker. It was the first start where you would live in Chicago and your boss would be in San Francisco, or you might be in San Francisco and supervise a team in Shanghai. People were more comfortable with organizations and partners that were outside of their office and outside of their state. Uh, So I said, hey, let me build a business that is a jumpstart. It's a boost to businesses that want to get to that next level, but don't know the way forward. Mm -hmm. And they just need a guide. You know, so of course we we do the consulting, compliance, and all that. But most importantly, we're a, a partner for a small businesses' success, the startup success, as they try to get to whatever that next level is in their organization. 
Oh, that's awesome. Lots of fantastic reasons to start that organization. And and those reasons, especially the one about remote work, have only been enhanced. The market is even, even hungrier for what you do than it even was yeah. in 2011, I'm sure. So tell us about kind of your typical client. I know I know every company has a range of clients, right? Some small, some large, some young, some old, right? But if you were to kind of narrow it down, what stage of business is your typical company in when they engage with you? So at the beginning of the relationship, where are they when they find you or you find them? Yeah, great question, Jordan. And it's less about the stage and more mm-hmm. about the industry that they're in, because we've learned from uh, trial and error that we're not the restaurant HR outsourcer and we're not the coal mining plant outsourcer, right. but we work with teams that are in the professional services, the digital services space, nonprofit, and we're doing a bit more in the federal and the government contracting space. Hmm. So we work primarily with the knowledge worker crew that is rallying around a, a, a particular mission. They have gone to school for specific training. Mm-hmm. And so we're just helping people who are experts at what they do become experts in creating culture for the organization that they that they want to work in. So those are the spaces that we play in. It plays to our ability to, to manage remotely. Uh, right. to coach remotely, to log into things in the into the cloud. Whereas in some other industries, it's a lot better if you have conversations face-to-face. So we've learned that those are our, our verticals. Those are our ideal clients. And as far as size, uh, between 10 employees up to 100 is, mm-hmm. is that sweet spot of we're in transition, something's percolating, we want to yeah. get to the next level, and they need a, a guide to get them there. Yeah, that's awesome. I, you've had 10 years to fully understand your sweet spot. I'm jealous. I still don't understand exactly the sweet spot of our organization, but we're, we're we're narrowing that down. What are the biggest challenges that you would say facing your clients when you first meet them? And I know part of that is what they tell you their challenges are, but I'm sure there's another aspect where you see their challenges that they don't even see yep. because you've seen it so many times before. But I kind of love to know the the seen and the unseen challenges of your your clients as they get to know you. Yeah. And, and Jordan, there's a third scene. They won't tell you where the skeletons are buried before oh, you sign the deal. Right. But once <laughs> once you're on board, they say, all right, so we've got this graveyard of issues here that I need to <laughs> <laughs> to sort out and revive so the seen, the unseen and the hidden. Okay. Yes. I got you. That's helpful. Yeah. But, but some of the things that we see are everything from, Hey, I want to hire my first employee to, I want to hire my first employee out of state, or we've been kind of reckless here and we've, we've hired in multiple States. And I just thought that every state was the same, but now we realize that uh, there are laws and compliances that we have to comply with that we had no idea. And so can you help us get our ducks in a row there? Mm-hmm. We're seeing a, a big push for organizations that want to do better in their DEI and mm-hmm. their uh, initiatives. So whether that's recruiting, pay, equity, the reflection of their lead team. Uh, so we're helping organizations with, with that. And I, I think the, the most common one is like this general, hey, we want to build culture. We want to we mm-hmm. improve our culture. And so our team knows how to ask the right questions to 
get what they're trying to articulate yeah. because culture is such a big umbrella term that we could spend four hours on a, on a podcast talking about, but ultimately you want to figure out the right pay. You want to hire the, the right people for your organization. You want to figure out your values. You want to make sure people know their career pathing and all that sort of stuff. We could literally stay in the sweet spot of helping teams build culture and uh, have enough work from here until, until eternity. Right. Uh, but those are some of the main things that folks reach out to us for. And they reach out because they want us to do it, not just to coach them up, not just to give them a software to run, but you know they want a partner who can mm. get their hands dirty. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. On the topic of culture, I mean, that's that's what our whole podcast is about, which is why I find myself just watching the clock constantly because I could have a two-hour podcast, no problem, but no one <laughs> wants to listen to a two-hour podcast, I've discovered. No, huge topic, and that makes perfect sense. And I think what's so cool about what a couple of things that you've said is that the organizations that are growing and being most, most successful are really intentional about their culture. And I think that that, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but in, in the past, there's maybe a little bit of a, a secret you know, and it's mm -hmm. become more obvious to more people as of late that, oh, if I treat my people really well and I love on them and I'm generous with them and I make them feel as though they're at home and a sense of belonging, we're going to win as an organization. Like, not only we're yeah. going to do the right thing by them, but we're actually going to be successful. It's really cool that that's becoming more apparent and more obvious to more organizations. Yeah, I, I think historically, and I do a, a presentation where I walk through like the decades of management and, you know, what were the big themes. I, I think huh. before the 2000s and the 2010s and uh, I guess now we're in the 20s, but before then culture was not this big conversation to have. It was more management by the numbers, right. you know, top 30% get promoted, bottom 10% get fired, performance-based objectives. Right. Uh, but now uh, culture, it's not a secret because you can just open up, you can go on Forbes, you can go on Inc., you can go on Entrepreneur and Harvard Business Review. And 50% and of the articles are going to be talking about something that in, in some way is reflective of how to build a better workplace culture. So for teams that haven't embraced it yet, right. it's kind of just a, a naivete of like, all right, you think you can get by without it. Mm. You think your product is so great. You think your management team is so special. You think you have enough resources. But the yeah. truth is, it's the culture that's going to drive your team forward and, and build the organization you want. So now, you know, if you're not focused on culture, you're, you're naive to the importance of it. And you're naive to think your employees don't expect it. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well, let me ask you a question and maybe your answer might be culture, but I'm not sure what's the most overlooked these days. I, my question is, if you had to pick one thing when you, obviously you've already said HR often is that thing where like all the other boxes got checked and it's like, oh, whoops, like we, we don't have any resources internally or externally, but kind of within the, the space of HR, right? If you had to pick one thing that's the most overlooked in a company's life when you engage, right? Is it recruiting? Is it benefits? Is that compliance legal side of things? Is it the culture building, learning and development? You know, what is it that tends to be to the detriment of the company really 
severely overlooked or just untouched altogether? Yeah, I've had some time to think about this question. Audience, not not because I was prepped in advance, but just because of, of just working with customers in this space. Believe it or not, I think the most overlooked that has the biggest impact is that first 90 days. It's the way you mm. orient your, your new team members and the way you mm. articulate Yes, your culture, but a little deeper than that, your values. I think values is the most overlooked. I have folks on our team now Mm. who I can tell the folks who leaned into the value conversation because I made it a big deal. And then the ones that were just kind of like on the outskirts because it wasn't apparent to them that the values were big. And that's Mm. on me. You know, I was one of those folks who, who had overlooked that. But values are so important because it gives your your team members a sense of pride. It gives your team members an understanding of like how decisions are made and what are the values and judgment calls to make when you have two two paths you have to choose between. So pouring into your team members the values of your organization is like the most important thing because when people get off of work on Friday and, and it's time for Sunday evening to come around, yeah, they're showing up for a paycheck, but they're showing up for what they believe in. And they, if they you want right. them to believe in more than just their ability to get the work done. You want them to believe in your company. So I think the values yeah. are the most overlooked, but have the biggest benefit, not just in those 90 days, but just throughout the life cycle of your employees. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's a great reminder for me to dig deeper on that and like be consistent and be routine about bringing those values to the forefront. So uh, I'm sure others listening would benefit as well, but I'm always, I do this podcast and I always just sit here and take (laughs) notes and I'm like, I'm learning so much. (laughs) Hopefully other people are too, but selfishly that's, that's just great advice. So I appreciate it. That's what I do on on my show too, is like a great combo with, with people, but I'll give an example of one of our values that, that resonates is we work with winners. And uh, it's one of the values that I tell my team that they hold me accountable to defend. And that means we get to select the customers that we work for. And so we Mm. want to work with organizations that are leaning into what we have to say that are collaborative, responsive, you know, want to do right by their team members. And so in meetings with, with my team, they may bring up a client that isn't displaying winning behavior. And depending on the degree of that, it's everything from, hey, let's intervene, let's write the ship, let's coach them up to, hey, let's disengage because this isn't the the best fit for us. And there have been times where I've had to own up to that value and make the hard call to to separate from a client because they weren't a winner. And so the team has expressed gratitude for like, hey, that client was a jerk. You told us it was all right that we we didn't have to work with them anymore, and uh, our mental health is is better because of it. And so, you know, if you as the leader are, are authentic with your values, the team is going to rally, and that's going to help your your organization grow too. Is the value? So, I just want to share that story uh, of like that's why beautiful. it's important. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's beautiful in a couple of ways. One is that you're true to the value that you stated to begin with and lost money in order to be true to that value. I mean, that's a beautiful mm-hmm. thing. But secondly, there's this protection of your people from an outside person, outside group that's not probably not treating them very well, probably not being respectful, probably not treating them with dignity. 
And I think that if I was that person that got to disengage from that contract and I worked from you, I'd feel like, wow, I'm really taken care of here. Like I, somebody's got my back. That'd be a big loyalty. Absolutely. If it were me speaking, of, it's funny. Like I swear I did not prep Joey in advance whatsoever, <laughs> but he keeps like teeing me up for the next question. So I was going to ask you about a win that I think is, is possible right now, but and it's a tough question, but I'm, I'm trusting that you probably have a hot take on this. So what I would like to know, what I think our listeners would like to know is how do companies come out on top? How do we win this massive transition to this remote slash hybrid, depending on who you work for, the great resignation, the countrywide, if not worldwide recruiting efforts that are now kind of part of our existence, right? You get resumes from everywhere and and why not, right? How can startups and small businesses take all this massive change and and turn it into a win instead of just this hassle yeah. of like, I've got to go through yeah. change? Well, I, I'd be remiss if I uh, didn't just throw a, a plug out there to say, uh, work with us. And that's a good way to, <laughs> yeah, to navigate yeah. <laughs> that. But but no, there there is opportunity here. I would say yeah. 40% of folks are going to be changing jobs. You need to look at your organization and ask yourself, Am I the kind of employer that people would choose to work for? Because that's what that's what the pandemic mm-hmm. has taught us is that right. people will want to work at places that they choose to work for, not just because they came for the pay, stay for the abuse, right? Like came for the job title, stay for the stifling micromanagement. Um, you, know, <laughs> you, you have to to evaluate your organization and say, hey, if we were competing mm-hmm. with our competitor down the street, our competitor across the country, and then, you know, that next hot startup that's just going to hire everybody, what stands out about our organization that would get people to want to work with us? And so you have to work on your business to make sure that it's it's the kind of organization that you want to build. I I think the biggest one is honing in on mission, because Mm -hmm. if you are in that startup space, maybe you can't compensate as well, but you can create a compelling story arc that you want people to join and be a part of. And the ironic thing about this market is that people aren't joining for pay. Matter of fact, they're they're leaving jobs and taking jobs for like 10, 20% pay cuts because of some other benefit or opportunity that that job offers. So it could be work from home. It could be flexibility. It could be a four-day work week. It could be mission. but, But there's a lot of reasons other than pay why people join jobs. So I'd say take an inventory of your team, you know, see what their perspective is of the organization. Yeah. And it's like a great opportunity to reimagine and re-engineer the culture of your organization so that you get your best people to stay. And then maybe your not so great people will self-select out of your organization and go somewhere else. And then you can replace them with people who are more in tune with, uh, with your mission. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I've seen that, Joey. I mean, one of the things that I'm proudest of with our organization is that we've seen people routinely take not even just 10 to 20%, but even 30% or more pay cuts to come work for this startup that simply cannot pay them what the offer from Facebook was or from the offer from whatever it was, right? We just cannot, right? And yet they're choosing to come. You know, and it's just that that's a really proud kind of thing for us. It's just like, hey, we're 
attracting people to something. And, I, and it's a combination of things, I'm sure, whether it's the work week or the flexibility or the lack of micromanagement or whatever. But I wonder if our listeners, like if they hear that and they're like, what? Like what? <laughs> no, no, they won't. Like they're going to take the highest offer. It, the, the world has changed. People don't just take the highest offer anymore. Yeah. It really is like all this stuff, this culture stuff is not fluff. It's not extra. It's not, yep. you know, just a, a PR thing. It's, it is very, very real. And people are making life choices as a result of how things make them feel and the mission that they get to be a part of and be the work that they're proud to do. So just wanted to back you up on that because that is so, so true. And I think hard to believe for a lot of organizations, but it's, it's a real yeah. thing. And you mentioned Facebook and I don't know when this will air, but they're, they're kind of in some hot water right now. And if I'm recruiting against Facebook, I mean, I'm just literally like, Hey, do you want to spend your waking hours making teenage girls feel bad about themselves like <laughs> they're in the news for for these Burn. bad things yeah. that it seems like they yeah. knew were wrong and, right. and maybe right. they didn't, didn't do the best things to fix it and so yeah to your point people choose based on right. working for places that make them feel good and mm. I, I know some folks that have rolled out of tech because of those yeah. challenges and, and the image that uh that social apps have right now of like corrupting right. ourselves and making everybody angry at one another and making us feel bad right. about ourselves so yeah that's a real thing that's a real thing um well unfortunately man i it's one of those episodes that i'm like i got like eight thousand more <laughs> questions i'd want to ask you if we had unlimited time but for the sake of our listeners and kind of keeping things to a timeline why don't we end with this? If we have listeners, and I bet we do, that would like to engage with you on some level, whether that's to interview you guys, maybe hire you, maybe it's they just want to understand some of the data that you guys have. I know you have a great American workplace engagement culture that you guys do. Anything like that. What's the best method of getting in touch with Jumpstart and and learning? Yeah. More? So, uh, Jordan, thanks for having me on the show. Love to come back for another conversation. Yeah. Or uh, after hours, uh, grab a beer or something, just talk. There you go. But um, yeah, both. <laughs> so um, companies work with us on an ongoing subscription basis or project basis. And so if you have a need, big or small, you can reach out to us. Best way to contact us for consulting and for speaking is our website. That's jumpstart-hr.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Joey. And as I tell everybody, get to know Joey as well as you can. He's active on LinkedIn. He's got articles out there and posts. And he's, I saw him on Inside Edition at one point on LinkedIn, <laughs> all sorts of fun. So reach out and thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Joey, just for engaging on these topics that there's a lot more I, I do want to discuss. And I think it's a good idea to maybe have you come back and dig into you know, some of that survey. We didn't touch on DEIB and I really wanted to because I know that's something that you talk about on LinkedIn um, and that you're in, involved with and you teach on. So maybe we'll have to do that. But, but thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you next week on Bragworthy Culture. Bye-bye.